Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Japan, OSB versus Okami. And Shaq, we got a card on a Friday night this time, man. Yeah, man, uh, it's a really good card. You know, it sucks that uh, Shogun had to pull out, but, you know, Okami is a uh, decent replacement, and uh, I'm expecting a show on that fight. You know, it's funny because he's going from 170 pounds, which he fought his last four or five fights, to 205 pounds. He's not just moving up one weight class, Shaq. He's moving up two weight classes, and uh, it could be detrimental, man. Yeah, I mean, this is a former middleweight, and, you know, he's lost a lot of size since that... uh, USADA testing came in. Uh, I don't know if they've been testing in the promotions that he's been fighting in since he got cut from the UFC, but I mean, hey, he's gone four and two since he's been out. Only losses are to uh, Dave Branch and Fitch, so I guess it's respectable, but uh, let's see what he does Friday. And don't ask me how he won that Paul Bradley fight because I thought he lost every round, but that's uh, neither here nor there. And real quick, we got to address last week, and, you know, things didn't go according to plan. This is a long-term game, and we took an L. You know, it's funny because with uh, Sago and Burns, I was thinking, look, if Burns is going to win the fight, he'll win a decision. But he went out there, and he knocked out Sago. I didn't see that coming from a mile away. I don't even think people that bet on on Burns saw that coming. So uh, props to Gilbert Burns, man. You know what I'm saying? He kept his job. Yeah, props to him, man. You know, I kind of had a bad feeling about it, uh, the closer towards the fight, just due to because, you know, fading Gilbert Burns long term is a good idea, but maybe it was just the wrong, the wrong guy. You know, to beat Gilbert Burns, you know, he has to be scared of something, and uh, Sago just didn't have anything to scare him. So props to Burns, and uh, I mean, it was only a two point five unit uh, loss, and we always bounce back after L's, man. And that's what we're about to do right here, right now on half the battle because we got Luke Jumo. He's minus 245. The comeback on Shinsho Anzai is plus 205. Now, Shaq, it's been about two years since we've seen Shinsho Anzai fight, and it's funny because the first time we saw him, he goes out there against Alberto Mina, and, I mean, they went life and death. It was a straight-up brawl. Shinsho got knocked out in the first round, so then his second fight comes around against Zapata, and I'm thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to be a serious brawl, and uh, he took a different approach that time. He tried to use takedowns to win the fight, so we've seen two different sides to Shinsho Anzai, but now he's taking on the very young and confident Luke Jumo. How do you see this one going down? I really like Jumo in this spot. You know, Anzai, like you mentioned, the Alberto Mina fight, that approach is just really not stupid, but, I mean, it was definitely questionable just running at him with their chin up in the air and, you know, getting clipped with shots and you keep rushing in forward. And then, you know, his next fight, he fought a guy that hadn't fought in almost three years who was four and one and you know we already know that uh guys of potter's history on tough you know with the ian stevens fight and then you know the diego lima fight hey tell so, tell them the history because i don't think they know i mean zapata basically got laid on for three rounds against ian stevens on uh tough the season that diego lima was on and you know, somehow the judges scored it for him, even though, you know, he was working from bottom a lot and Stevens was just laying, laying, praying. But the guy hasn't fought anyone, anyone near Luke Jumo's level in the UFC. And he hasn't fought in two years. And I really like Jumo in the spot because, you know, in his debut against Dom Steele, a guy who's gone three rounds with Court McGee, gone, you know, love and death with Danny Hot Chocolate in a fight of the night performance. Um you know, who's got better wrestling than Anzai. He stuffed the takedowns. He showed great poise. He picked his shots very well. And, you know, he hurt Steele about two or three times and completely shut him down. And I like him in the spot. I mean, like we said, Anzai hasn't fought in two years. I think 
his game is going to get completely shut down. I think he's going to tire himself out shooting for takedowns that he's not going to get, and he's going to get busted up on the feet and route to a finish. And I like Jamal on this fight. You know, I got it at minus 230. I got five units on it, parlayed with somebody else uh, later, and I'm very confident. Wow. So Shaq has a max bet on the first fight of the night. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's going to be good, man. You know, I like Luke Jumo here as well. He's a very young, confident fighter. He's very composed out there. I was super impressed with that UFC debut. He goes out there against Dom Steele, who's a very experienced guy. And the first round, Luke Jumo got taken down. Now, when you get taken down in the first round of your UFC debut, you know, some guys might freak out. They might get tapped out. You know, shit might go wrong with him. He stayed composed. He worked his way back up to his feet. And he picked Dom Steele apart. And I don't believe Dom Steele got another takedown ever again in that fight. And he that's, did not. And that's just credit to Luke Jumo, his balance, his composure. And uh, he went out there and did what he was supposed to do. Now, I'm trying to figure out what kind of striking style he has because I see little glimpses of karate in there. I see a little bit of boxing in there. But whatever it is, it's working. And I think it's going to work here, man. I think that Shinsho, you know, he's only showing up because this is UFC Japan. If if UFC was anywhere else this weekend, Shinsho would not be fighting. But, you know, he's got to fight once every, every five years, you know, pay the bills. And he's going to come in here. Get half of his uh, purse, as you know the deal, because you only get your show money if you lose the fight. And uh, I think Luke Jumo is going to go out there. I'm not sure if it's a knockout or a decision, but I do have Luke Jumo for the victory. And I put him in a 1.5 unit parlay. So let's go, Luke. Now here, the return of Hyung Yu Lim. He's minus 125. He's taking out the newcomer, Daichi Abe, who's plus 105. Now, you know, on paper, we're thinking uh, Hyung Yu Lim flying any knockout, but you know, you know something, Shaq? When you get knocked out by Mike Perry, people don't often come back the same, and I'm questioning if Young Yu Lim is going to come back the same, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I see a lot of pe- people liking that Young Yu line, and I see a lot of people betting that uh, Daichi A line, and I understand both sides because, you know, me personally, I bet on Young Yu Lim uh, against Mike Perry because, you know, pre or when I watched on tape, you know, Perry looked really small in comparison. And, you know, he Hung Yu got completely punked out at Wayans, and uh, we know what happened in that fight. Perry knocked him out stiff in the first round, which he is known for. And, uh, you know, as far as this fight, I kind of see it being similar. I mean, you know, this Daichi Abe guy, I feel like he's a lightweight. I feel like he's too small for the division, at least, you know, moving on in the future. But, I mean, when you bet on either guy, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know that Hung Yu, if he gets clipped on the chin... It could be night over. And we know that his cardio isn't the best. In the past, he used to walk through shots. Like, I know you remember that Pascal Krauss fight. I mean, they went straight to war for that one round. And uh, he uh, he retired Pascal. But I'm staying away as far as a bet. I understand both sides. But I just think it's too risky for either guy to bet on. I can't trust either guy. I feel like one guy's too small. And I feel like the other guy's secretly aging. I feel like the other guys might be 50 in fight years. Let's not forget about that Tarek Safadine fight. Let's not forget about the Neil Magny fight. And let's not forget about the Mike Perry fight. So uh, this guy Daichi can crack. And uh, I'm staying away. But the pick, I'm actually going to go with Daichi in this one. Dude, I want to meet Pascal Krause's manager because, I mean, he probably has the best manager of all time. When you haven't fought in 10 years, but you're still on the video game, you're still at the athlete retreat. I mean, what is it about Pascal Krause, man? I mean, you got to, I guess they need a, a, represent, a representative from Germany because when I saw him at the uh, athlete retreat, I was like, man, this guy ain't fought since 
what that was like UFC 164, you know. Um, I mean, we've had like what 50 pay per views since then, probably about a hundred fight night cards since then. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this guy, uh, this guy Pascal still, still, uh, kept his spot on the roster, and uh, I can't wait till he comes back because you know, I will be, uh, hitting that fade on him. They couldn't get, uh, you know, Dennis Seaver to represent, even though we both know Dennis Seaver was born in Russia and not Germany, but they couldn't use him. They had to get Pascal Kraus, you know what I mean? Yeah, they needed a real German, and uh, that we know Dennis is a little uh, a little weasel. <laughs> you know, and it's funny, because I don't even think the Russians claim him, man, because uh, he acts like he's German, so... You know, yeah, I mean, he's got blonde hair and blue eyes, so, I mean, he kind of really, uh, <laughs> really doesn't uh, represent them well. As far as this matchup, man, I, I think for sure it's not going to go the distance. Watch it go the distance now that I just said that. But, look, I, I don't think it's going the distance. I think someone's going to get knocked out. I really don't know who because I'm not sure how young Yu Lim's going to come back. I mean, it's not just the Mike Perry fight, man. I mean, Neil Magny pounded him out right before that as well. But the Mike Perry fight, when you get knocked out three times in one fight – it's just, uh, and now you're fighting a knockout artist in Daichi Abe, and this kid slugs. It's just, he's a 55er like you mentioned, so there will be a size difference. Uh, uh, shit, I don't know what's going to go down. I'm going to go with the newcomer. I'm going to go with Daichi Abe by knockout, but I really don't know. I just think it's not going to go the distance. Now, this one, this one's very interesting because we got Juicier, the fire ant Formiga. He's minus 450. The comeback on Olka Sasaki is plus 360. Now, Shaq, I see a lot of people wanting to take this shot on Sasaki just because he uh, choked out Scoggins last time. Now, look, on paper, yes, he does have a win over Scoggins, but if you watch that fight and how it actually went down, I mean, he got dropped like three times by Scoggins. He got taken down more than once. It was just a case where Scoggins did what Scoggins does. He whoops your ass, and then he uh, kamikaze uh, dives head first straight into a choke. <laughs> this time he gave up his back and got rear naked choke, so it was a little bit different. It wasn't a guillotine, which he's known for diving into. But at the same time, it was the same shit he's known for, which he's done more than once. It wasn't like Oka Sasaki had the performance of his career. That being said, Oka Sasaki is a very tall flyweight, and I like the fact that in that Wilson Hayes fight, he was kind of going out there like Nick Diaz, putting his hands up in the air, being like, what's up, motherfucker? Because in the past, I kind of felt like Sasaki got into the UFC too early, because you saw those fights against Lapalus, against uh, Issa, Leandro Issa, you know what I mean? They, they straight broke him. He just wasn't ready at the time, but now I think he's maturing. That being said, he gave up a lot of openings for the back take against Scoggins. And we know the best back taker in the UFC flyweight division, besides Ray Borg, is Juicier Formiga. So I see those openings being there for Formiga, and I see Formiga taking a decision. I understand why people want to take the shot on Sasaki because of what he did last time. But that was last time. This is this time. And even though Formiga is an aging competitor out of Novo Nyao, I still think he has enough to get the decision here, Shaq. Yeah, for sure. You know, initially, remember, me and you were talking, and I wanted to take that shot on society, man. I, I kind of bought into the little little hype train that he's kind of on right now. But when I watched that tape, man, I had to pass because, you know, for Miga, even though I feel like he's declining, and we already know the deal with those Nova and Yao guys, they're all, you know, moving away. They're all they're all kind of on the decline right now. Hen and Juicier, Jose. Uh, the only one that's kind of relevant in that gym right now is Nantes and Kevin Vieira, and everyone else is just on the decline. Then, but Sasaki, man, he's too wild, man. He's he's kind of all over the place. I like his heart. I like his spirit. I think he's a tough kid. I think he's I think he's gonna keep his spot in the company. But I just see too many openings for Formiga. I think Formiga can get easy takedowns, kill the clock, 
with top control and just want a nice little 30-27 on two cards, a 29-28 maybe. But, hey, if Sasaki can rise to the occasion again, props to him. I don't think he will. But, uh, I mean, I feel like the line's a little bit off. But then at the same time, I don't because I feel like Formiga's just clearly the better fighter. But uh, I wish everyone well that bets Sasaki, man. I, I like the kid, but, uh, you know, this isn't a business about liking people. And, and you know, I feel like some people uh, fall into the trap of that. You're 100% correct. And this next fight is a perfect example of that because we got Alex Morano. He's minus 140. The comeback on Keita, Keitaro Nakamura is plus 120. And when you talk about falling into the trap of being a fan of someone, how can you not be a fan of Keitaro Nakamura? I mean, what a badass, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Keitaro, this guy, you know, I look at the line right now, it's uh, plus 120. And, you know, as we were talking before, we were thinking about betting Keitaro because anytime you get a guy like Keitaro at dog money, there's value on it. I mean, the, remember the Kyle Noak fight? Remember when this guy was plus 1,000 versus Tom Breeze and he almost won a split decision, in which he won, in my opinion. Um, Leasing I mean, the Exactly. I mean, his, the Zaleski fight, even though he lost that fight, I mean, him and Zaleski went tooth and nail, and we already know what type of guy Zaleski is. And uh, anytime you get dog money on this guy, you almost feel obligated to take it, but, you know, I am passing because when I watched that tape on Morono, I mean, this kid Morono's legit, man. Um, his fight against Muntashi, I know Muntashi's an old uh, taekwondo <laughs> weasel, and he's old and he's retired now, but... You know, I feel like he beat him exactly the way you're supposed to beat him. Completely break him, you know what I'm saying? And in his fight, his last fight against Price, it's unfortunate. Those things happen sometimes. It's a fight game. He had to take that first L. You know, he was whooping up on Price. He dropped him like two, three times in that first round. But, man, there's something about that kid Price because he just keeps coming at you and he, he got to Morono. I feel like Morono is the better striker. I feel like Keitaro is the better on the mat. I just feel this is a pass fight. I feel like everyone should sit back and enjoy it because I do feel like Morano is slightly better. But uh, I don't blame anyone for taking that shot on Keitaro, man. I mean, anytime you get underdog money on Kita Nakamura, you got value on it. So uh, I definitely understand both sides, but I'm going to go with Morano by decision. Yeah, no, I completely understand the pick here because Morano is one of these guys that you know, he doesn't look athletic. He looks like he can drop a weight class. People probably think he's a jobber, but he's got a way of pushing this pace on people and breaking guys. And he didn't just break James Muntasri. He retired James Muntasri. And it was just nonstop pressure for 15 straight minutes. You know, the first round he started a little bit slow. But when Muntasri started to tire out in that second and third, Murano put it on him like it was no one's business. And that fight could have arguably been stopped. As far as the Nico Price fight is concerned, like you said, he had to take his first L. And, you know, he kind of gassed out a little been in that fight. I'm sure he's learned from it. I'm sure he's going to come back better. That being said, if he gasses out here again, Keitaro is the kind of guy that'll take your back in that third round and choke you unconscious like you saw against Li Jingliang when he was, uh, what was he, plus 600 or something, something crazy in that fight? You know what I mean? And, something like that. And yeah. dude, you know, he actually, uh, people try to act like, you know, like uh, Li Jingliang was straight up whooping his ass and then out of nowhere Nakamura that's, got... That's not the case. Yeah, that's exactly. That's not the case at all. Out of, out of nowhere Nakamura got the choke and that's not the case. I believe Nakamura might have even dropped him at one point in that fight. And uh, so, yeah, it was a back and forth fight as far as I'm con as far as far I'm concerned. Nakamura closed the show. The Tom Breeze fight, I thought Nakamura won that fight. The Zaleski fight, look, Zaleski... 
I'm not going to say too much because I don't want these odds makers listening, but you and I both know how underrated that guy is, and uh, it is what it is. So this fight to me comes down to who can push the harder pace in the later rounds because these two are going to go to war, and, and that's the bottom line here. I completely understand the shot on Keitaro, and we were thinking about taking that shot too because like you said, Shaq, Anytime Keitaro is the underdog, there's value because this guy's going to come to fight no matter what. He's going to fight his ass off, win or lose. But the way the styles match up, there's something about Murano's pressure and his pace that I kind of like in this matchup, and I think it is kind of a bad matchup for Nakamura. So that being said, I, say, I see Murano taking the first two rounds, and I think Nakamura's going to have a Hail Mary submission in the third and uh, get this upset, but it could go either way. I'm going to just take the opposite side as you and go with Nakamura here. Now this one. Charles Rosa, Boston Strong. Shaq, you want to take a guess what the line here is, man? Uh, I see it, minus 190. <laughs> Dude, so, you know, it's funny because when we were lining it in our head, and, and, you know, I might be talking a little bit of shit because what I'm about to say, I should probably put my money where my mouth is, but do you agree with me when I say this should be a pick em? I agree 100%, man. I mean, Charles Rosa... You know, he comes in his UFC debut, and, you know, he has a good fight with Seaver. But, I mean, what was what was the outcome of that fight? 30-27 Seaver. Okay. And then, you know, he comes in, you know, he beats uh, Sean Soriano, and we, we know what type of guy that that kid is. And then, you know, he has uh, a tough fight with the Yair, but he lost. And, you know, I didn't agree with the split decision. I felt like Yair clearly won. And then, um, you know, his fight with Boshniak... It's funny because I almost bet Rosa in that spot, and you know he 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 arguably he lost in my opinion. You know he got dropped. I feel like the guy's kind of on the decline. I feel like he's aging. Um, and you know his last fight with Burgos is very unfortunate because there was a chance that he was up two rounds, even though I think it was probably one to one. Um, there was a chance he was up two rounds and. And we and we know what happens when you sit in the pocket with Burgos. We know uh, the outcome of that. And you know he got knocked out. And you know he was questioning the stoppage. And he it's unfortunate because you know his face. He was like, "Man, I was up two rounds. Like I had him. I had him." And uh, it's unfortunate. And you know Pugnus, man. You know his first run in the UFC didn't go well. You know he he's a solid jobber. You know, but his fight with Cole Miller, he beat. Cole Miller the way you're supposed to be Cole Miller. You completely dominate him. You completely get him out of there. You show him up. And, you know, his last fight against Volkanovski, I, I kind of gained a lot of respect for him because Volkanovski is one of the top prospects at 145. And, I mean, Pugnus, even though he got dropped multiple times, I mean, he kept moving forward. He kept, he kept, you know, he showed that he had good straight punches. He tagged Volkanovski a couple times, but we just know that Volkanovski is too much. And, uh, I actually like Pugnus in this fight. You know, I'm not going to bet it just because I'm more confident in other things. But uh, I feel like Rosa's on the decline. I feel like he's on his way out. And uh, I feel like uh, Pugnus is just slightly improving, man. I feel like at this stage in his career, he's figured out something. Um, and I feel like he's going to win a split decision here, man. I feel like it's going to be close. I know that Rosa tries really hard. He's one of those guys that puts all into this. I know that he, he – I compare him to like uh, – like a TJ Dillashaw, not in skill wise, but you know how TJ tries really hard that, you know, there's always a good chance that he's up on the cards or because he, he tries really hard. And I feel like Gross is one of those guys, but um, I'm going to go with uh, Hirota in the upset, man. I feel like he's going to drop him a couple times with some straight punches. 
and uh, you know, build that early lead on the card, then I'm gonna split Japan. Man, you know, Charles Rosa actually has a future as a chef, man. A lot of people don't know this. You know, people know that he's a chef, but they don't know what caliber chef he is. He's a chef for Michelin-rated restaurants, and for those that don't know what that means, there's five-star restaurants, and then there's Michelin-rated restaurants, and the Michelin ones, those are, uh, that's top of the line. The fact that this guy is a chef for one of for those kind of restaurants, I mean, that just says a lot. He doesn't need to be fighting. He can make six figures a year being a chef, cutting nice steak, and uh, in this fight, man, it's interesting because I do think it should be a pick so the Hirota plus 165 does look kind of nice, but... Hirota also doesn't really win fights in the UFC. You know, he's one and four. So I kind of, you know, there's other options, like you said, that I like better. I already have enough on the line that I don't want to take this risk. But, man, I do think Hirota is a live dog here because Charles Rosa isn't that great at anything, man. I mean, his guard's okay. You know, he swings bombs on the feet, but he's really nothing special. And Hirota's just a, you know, a tough, solid journeyman. I see uh, Hirota getting a 29-28 here. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to go down, but I do think he is a live dog with a very good shot, and uh, I say that he gets a hometown decision here. Now, here we go, man. You ready for uh, one of the biggest disappointments we've ever seen in the featherweight division? We got Teruto Ishihara. He's minus 145. The comeback on Rolando Dai is plus 125. Now, Shaq, when you can't beat Gray Maynard in 2017, let me rephrase that. When you can't land a single punch on Gray Maynard in 2017, do you belong on the UFC roster? You know, <laughs> it's very unfortunate, man, because, you know, in the lead-up to that fight, you know, at first, you know, I was like, of course, man, I'm going to I'm gonna play Ishihara, I'm going to play him straight, I'm going to play him by KO or inside the distance, the under or whatever, but then, you know, the more closer I got to the fight, I just realized that the guy is a single-shot fighter. I mean, it's either KO or bust with this guy, and, you know, I'm so glad that I passed on that fight because, you know, one of the key factors was that Gray Maynard can actually wrestle, and, you know, he ain't fighting fucking... Horacio Gutierrez or fucking Juicy J. Rosa or these jobbers. He's actually fighting a vet that has a dominant skill. And uh, and he, he completely got outclassed. I mean, that was, that was embarrassing on his part. And now he's coming back against this guy. For all of those that bet Teruto in that fight, I mean, I would honestly be out of the Teruto Ishihara business for the near future, but I do think he wins this fight against Orlando Dye because what's Orlando Dye's record? Like eight and five. And, you know, I put him on the, on that level with, you know, the Horacio Gutierrez, the, uh, Juicy J. Roses. And I feel like Ishihara will land that left hand shot and get this guy out of here, but he will be faded very soon when he gets a, another formidable opponent. But, um, you know, I personally wouldn't bet on him because I already know what type of type of guy this guy is, man. If you push him, if you push him like we saw in that Pugnus fight, like we saw in the Artem fight, like we saw in the Gray Maynard fight, he will fold, and it's just plain and simple. I don't care if he's training with Clay Guida. I don't care if he's training with Elkins. I don't care if he's living with Cody. The guy's a jobber. He's a solid jobber. He's got a beautiful left hand, but if you push him, he will break. And it's not like a, it's not like the the break like a Sarah, a Sarah McMahon quit. It's just the guy will gas out and he only has two strikes. He has a straight left and a left kick. And uh, But I think he'll get past this one. But in the future, be very careful. 
I'm completely 100% out of the Teruto Ishihara business. You know, a lot of people know that I bet him big against Gray Maynard in 2017. Now, look, it's one thing to take an L. You know what I mean? You take an L, whatever, no big deal. You come back better. But when you don't land a single punch on Gray Maynard this year, 2017, I want nothing to do with you whatsoever. And like you mentioned, he lives with the champ Cody Garbrandt. He trains with great wrestlers like Elkins. Don't mean shit, you know what I'm saying? It didn't help at all. I'm going to actually go with the newcomer here, Rolando Dye. You know, even though Teruto is probably the better athlete, he's more talented, he's got a higher ceiling, I don't think the dude wants it. And and like you said, it's not like a Sarah McMahon where, you know, uh, arm triangle is not even locked in and he'll be tapping the mat. It's not like that. It's more like you take him down one time and then, you know, he'll, have that, he'll look up at the clock and he'll stop fighting and this and that. And you might be right that he can get Rolando Dye out of there because, you know, Dye is, you know, even more of a jobber. But you know what, man? I'm going to go with uh, Rolando Dye here just because I'm so out of the Teruto Ishihara business. It's not even funny. And people are going to say, oh, that's an emotional pick or whatever. Listen, I'm not putting money on the line, so I don't give a fuck if you think it's an emotional pick. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's no money on the line, who gives a fuck? So I got Rolando Dye here for the upset. Now, here we go, Shaq. You ready? Because this one... This is uh, what we like to refer to as idiot or genius because we got Gokan Saki. He's minus 165. He's taking on Henrique Frankenstein da Silva, who's plus 145. Now, Shaq, the reason I say it's idiot or genius is because one of two things is going to happen. Either Gokan Saki is going to knock out Henrique da Silva or he's going to get tapped out by Henrique da Silva. So if you're right on the knockout, you look like a genius. If you're wrong and he gets taken down like James Tony and gets tapped out right away, you look like an idiot. So here's my thing, man. They gave him... Probably probably one of the top three worst light heavyweights on the roster. Someone who just got knocked out in 20 seconds about three months ago. But that, then again, this is MMA, my man. You know what I'm saying? Gokan Saki is coming from kickboxing. He's one of the best kickboxers on planet Earth. If Henrique da Silva tries to go in there and be cute and test his stand-up against Gokan Saki, he might not just get knocked out. He might get knocked into the fifth row. You know what I'm saying, dude? But that being said... What about Henry coming out here, pulling guard, sweeping, getting on top, and just finishing the fight? The thing is, he's not that smart. So, you know, you can't trust him to do that, even though that's what you're supposed to do here. Because Henrique, he doesn't have a double leg. He doesn't have a single leg. But, man, if we can pull guard and sweep, we can get on top of this guy. Look, I saw clips of chick fighters tapping out Gokan Saki. You know what I'm saying, man? And, look, I know there's dudes that just started training jiu-jitsu listening to this they're like what's wrong with that i get tapped out by chicks all the time and it's like yeah but that's not really the point you're not in the ufc these guys are in the ufc okay and uh gokan saki's getting tapped out by 135 pound chicks in the gym man so look man it's about trying to predict Henrique's strategy. Is Henrique going to try to test his stand-up? If he does, he will get knocked the fuck out. Or is Henrique going to be smart, pull guard, sweep, get on top, and choke him out? I really don't know. But since I think that Henrique's kind of a dumbass, I think he will try to test his stand-up. And I think that Gokan's going to knock him out. That being said, if Gokan gets submitted in the first round, do not be surprised. And I would not put any money on this. Gokan's an 0-1 MMA fighter. You know what I'm saying, Shaq? He's amazing in kickboxing, but this ain't no kickboxing match. That being said... Knowing Henrique's uh, fight IQ, he's probably going to try to test his stand-up against the K1 champ, right? Yeah, for sure, man. And I, I completely agree with what you said all the way. <clears throat> and uh, it's a hit-or-miss fight, like you said. Enrique could get a takedown, or he could pull a guard, or Saki could 
touch him up and get him out of here real quick. And it's it's kind of unfortunate what's happened to Frankenstein De Silva because remember when he came in uh, to the UFC, he was coming off that complete war with Odomar Alcantara on the uh, local scene. And, you know, it started off him getting rocked and, you know, but then he came back and, you know, he completely broke Odomar. And then, you know, his UFC debut against Jonathan Wilson, who at the time was considered somewhat of a hot prospect, you know, he took an ass open early, but then he came back and completely broke him down. And then, you know, he uh, armbarred Christensen, which was, it wasn't very impressive, but at least he got the win. And then, man, after that, it, it, it's sad what's happened. You know, the Paul Craig fight, the complete domination of Jordan Johnson. Um, and then uh, the Jan Kudalaba fight where, I mean, he got hit one time and he just, and that was it. And, you know, I'm staying away from this fight. I see a lot of Saki, Gokan Saki parlays out there. And, you know, I understand it because when they bring, when the UFC brings a guy like this in, the plan, the plan, their plans, even though some things don't go according to plan sometimes, their plan is clearly for him to get a knockout and, you know, and, you know, to have a highlight real KO and, you know, promote some more glory events or or do it. I don't know what their plan is, but that's what I'm assuming it is. But I can't bet on either guy. Like you said, this fight could hit the mat one time and that could be over. Or this kid could get hit in the face one time and that would be over. But uh, I'm going to take Saki. I feel like he's going to get the KO. But uh, it's a definitely, definitely a pass fight for me. Yeah, I'm with you there. But you know what's not a pass fight? We got Dong Hyung, the maestro Kim. He's minus 380. The comeback on the fireball kid, Takanori Gomi, the fireball grandpa, is plus 315. And uh, you know you know what time of the year it is, man. It's max bet season for you. For me, actually, it's uh, one unit below max bet season because uh, you know how I put that four-unit open parlay with Gregor Gillespie last week and you know, he came through. So I'm closing out that four-unit open parlay with Dong Young Kim. And I took him at minus 270. Currently, it's minus 380, which obviously, you know, it's gone up a dollar and 10 cents. And rightfully so. Look, this is simply a situation where, look, Gomi is a legend. Much respect. But at this point in his career, remember when Chuck Liddell lost those three fights at the end of his career and got knocked out viciously in all three of them? Like, you remember that, Shaq? But, yeah. but also remember how he kind of looked good in the Rich Franklin fight before he got knocked out? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, Gomi is like, he's like way past that point. You know what I'm saying? It's not even to the point where he looks good in his losses. It's to the point where if this fight hits the mat one time, just one time, the fight will be over shortly after. And, you know, if Dong Young Kim tries to go out here and test his stand-up against Takanori Gomi, I think he'll knock out Gomi, you know what I mean? That's going to be a little bit of a scarier path, even though Gomi doesn't have anywhere near the technique, firepower, or just skill that he used to have. He's declined so much, he's clearly showing up for a paycheck. I mean, you saw the way that he was, you saw how he was telegraphing his punches against John Tuck. It was just straight up sad. So, look, I know Dong Young Kim is a jobber. I know he, he's 1-2 and two in the UFC, but none of that matters, man. I would pick Brendan O'Reilly over Takanori Gomi at this point. I would pick Jake Lindsay over Takanori Gomi at this point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? So, I would pick any of these jobbers against Takanori Gomi. I'd pick them in the first round, too. I think Dong Young Kim is going to finish him in the first round. You know, whether it's a takedown to a submission, whether he drops him with a shot, I don't really know. I don't really care. I just know he's going to get him out of there in one. So I put Dong Young Kim in that open parlay with Gregor Gillespie for four units. And then I also took the under one and a half 
in this fight, and I parlayed it with Luke Juma for 1.5 units. And, you know, I don't often parlay unders. I mean, I think that's a very square way of betting. But this is one of those occasions where, you know, I'm not going to sit here and quote someone else and say you put everything on it because you don't do that ever. you got to be smart still. But this is one of those situations where when you get to fade Gomi, you take it with full grasp. Look, you remember how we were talking about Mitch Clark and how, oh, we get to fade Mitch Clark once a year? I would bet Mitch Clark over Gomi. You know what I'm saying? Like, Gomi is that done. So, you know, whether it's a submission, whether it's a knockout, I mean, Gomi ain't even seen the three-minute mark of the first round since uh, he fought Isaac Valley Flag. You know what I'm saying, man? So, you know, I got that easy money on Maestro, and we'll see how easy it is since I'm calling it easy. Yeah, I'm with you, man. And uh, speaking of that Ike Valley flag fight, I mean, if you go back and look at his his physique in that fight and then look at it now, I mean, it's complete night and day. I think that was before the USADA era. And uh, he was actually throwing combos that fight. That was his last win. And, I mean, he was going to complete war with Ike Valley flag. And Ike Valley flag, uh, did he keep his spot in the company? Nope. Okay. Did uh, E.G. Matsuoka keep his spot in the company? Nope. All right, then. So, uh, I mean, we know what we're getting here. The the fade here is really simple, man. I mean, I know that he's coming off losses versus Jury, uh, Miller, Lozon, and Tuck. And, you know, obviously Maestro is not on that level. But, I mean, even in the Polo Reyes fight where, yeah, I understand he got wobbled 100 million times. But, I mean, even in the midst of that, the guy was getting takedowns against Polo Reyes. And Polo Reyes, is, uh, he's, a, he's got decent takedown defense. And, I mean, while he was completely out on his feet, he got, like, a couple takedowns. And then, you know, while he was fresh and his chin was uh, – he took that time off and came back against O'Reilly. I mean, those first two rounds, bro, I mean, the guy was a, a straight wrestler in that fight. I mean, he took down O'Reilly, you know, had some advanced – he advanced position several times. I think he even got that mount once. And uh, he won the first two rounds. I think he lost the third round. But it wasn't like he got wobbled or anything. You know, I think he – Lost the grappling, but we know, uh, we know Comey ain't gonna beat us in no grappling match, man. The fade's simple. I think we can beat him on the feet as well. We rock Polo Reyes. We, we hurt Dom still on the feet. Obviously, we don't want him to play around with that, even though I think Gomi's hands are completely done. And another thing to mention, man, I feel like Gomi's hoorah was in that Jim Miller fight because, you know, that fight was UFC 200, Las Vegas. And the guy went out to Vegas, trained in Las Vegas for like a month and a half prior to the fight. I felt like he gave his all in that fight. And we saw what happened. He got pounded out in less than two minutes. And I feel like that was his final hurrah. His, he was actually in shape for that fight. And then he comes in against Tuck. And, I mean, he's got green hair now or whatever color that is. And, you know, he has no abs. He actually had a Jim Miller fight. And uh, I just think it's over for this guy. You know, it's funny because his birthday is on fight day. And uh, I feel like he's going to get a, a not-so-good birthday present from the Maestro. But, uh, you know, I'm closing out that five-unit parlay with Luke Jumo uh, with Maestro Kim. I got it at uh, minus 270. And um, I feel like he's going to take care of business, man. You know, it's funny you say that's not going to be a good birthday gift. But let, let me... Uh... Let me uh, tell you this. Let me play devil's advocate for a second here. So, Takanori Gomi, let's see. He's getting 55K to show, my man. So, hey, 55K to take a quick knee? That ain't too bad for your birthday, right? <laughs> Actually, it is It is a good birthday present. I'm sure he's getting some decent Reebok money as well. Yeah. So, you know, so let's, 55 yeah, so let's plus uh, 
How much is he getting rebought? Probably 10. So, you know, 65. And, you know, I don't even know what the taxes are because he's in Japan and shit. So, you know what? 65K to take a quick knee? That ain't too bad. Yeah, yeah so it's pretty good. So, actually, I take that back. It is, it's a, it's a decent birthday present. <laughs> Imagine if you somehow pulled this off and got, uh, you know what I'm saying, got an 110K check for this, which ain't going to happen. But, you know what I'm saying? Imagine that. Yeah, I mean, hey, if. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, if it did, at least we'd get one more uh, chance to fade him again. This is very true. We're thinking long-term, my man, but the play here is obviously the maestro, and uh, I think he's going he's gonna to take care of biz. Now, here we go. Co-main event of the evening, Claudia Gadelia. She's minus 280. The comeback on Jessica Andrade is plus 240. Now, Shaq, I will tell you this straight up. I am 100% out of the Jessica Andrade business. And it's not because she lost the fight to Joanna. There's nothing wrong with losing to the greatest female fighter of all time. It's more like the way she lost. You know what I'm saying? At least Claudia Gadelia, you know, she gassed out in the third round or whatever, but at least she gave it her all the first two rounds, right? Like she went out yeah, there, I mean, she dropped Joanna, you know, she took her down, you know, she gave it her all. With Jessica, she kind of stared at her for five rounds straight and got her ass whooped. And uh, I was like, yeah, I- I'm not, I'm not in the Andrade business no more. Yeah, you know, I, th- I bet that fight as well, and it was uh, unfortunate because I actually thought she was going to win that fight head again because, I mean, those 115-pound chicks couldn't handle the pressure, but, you know, maybe we should have looked more into the opponents who she was fighting. I mean, when you're fighting JoJo, Panay, and Angela Hill, and Angela Hill, I think that was a good one because, you know, I think Hill's uh, very underrated, but, yeah, the way she lost him. I think it's pretty clear that, you know, Claudia Gadelia is easily, the, you know, the, the second best at 115 pounds. I mean, you know, she won those first two rounds against Joanna, and then you could, I mean, we bet Joanna in that fight, and uh, I think it was like minus 120, but uh, I think at some other point in the third or fourth round, she ended up dropping Joanna with an elbow or something like that, man. So, I mean, that just shows you what type of level this girl's on, and then she goes in there against Carolina, and I mean... One doesn't simply sub Carolina in less than three minutes, man. And, uh, I mean, that just shows you what type of stuff she's on, bro. And uh, I think she's going to get the job done here. I feel like, you know, Andrade might have a little blitz early or something. But I, I actually, I'm actually predicting that she's not the same since that Yolanda uh, fight. I think uh, in the second, third rounds, Claudia is going to get takedowns and, and just win a nice little 30-27 on two cards at 29-28. And, uh, you know, I hope... Uh, I, it's unfortunate because I really wanted Claudia to fight Rose. You know, that would be a, a max-fed Claudia uh, in a three-round fight. But, uh, you know, pr- props to Rose for uh, getting that title fight. And uh, But the pick is Claudia here. I would not bet Andrade because even if she wants to stand in the pocket with Claudia, let's not forget that Claudia can bang as well. I mean, the chick, it, it's not a question that she might even hit, you know, as hard as Andrade. So, uh I pass on it, but uh, the pick is Claudia. You know, I got a lot of respect for Claudia Gadelia. I really like what she did. She left Novo and Yao. You know, some people are loyal to a fault. Like, you look at a guy like Jose Aldo, he'll never leave Novo and Yao. And it is what it is. You know, you can respect that or whatever. But with Claudia, you know, she lost to Joanna twice. And she said, look, I got to do something different. You know, what's how does the saying go? You know, you can't... Uh, I got to think about this for a second. <laughs> What is the what's the fucking quote about you know? Um, she was like, uh, it's like uh, you can't things you can't get the same results. Uh, 
<laughs> I forgot what she said. But you know what I'm talking about, though. Yeah. <laughs> I got to find this fucking quote, but uh, it's something about, you know, you can't do the same things and expect and different the, results. It, you know yeah, what exactly. I'm saying? And so she did something different. She left Brazil. She left Novo and yeah, Now she's in Albuquerque, and she's not, you know, she made it very clear. She's not part of Team Greg Jackson. She's part of Team Claudia. She's got her own coaches. She's got her own people training her. And, I mean, that's what world champions do, man. They build their camps around themselves. And in this fight, I think the blast double is going to be a very big weapon in this fight. I think she's going to take down Jessica Andrade. Look, if they stand and bang, Andrade hits like a little truck, especially at that weight class. You know, a lot of those chicks have never been hit like that before. So, you know, there's always the chance. You stand and bang with Andrade, she can overwhelm you. But I'm really thinking the blast double is going to be huge here. I think the timing, the entries, I think Claudia is going to be able to grind this one out. Potentially get a submission too, but uh, most likely a decision. But do not be surprised if she chokes her out. Now, here we go, man. The main event of the evening, Ovin St. Prue's minus 550. The comeback on Yushino Kami is plus 425. Now, originally it was supposed to be a, a Shogun, a Mauricio Shogun, you know what I'm saying? But now like, he pulled out week of the fight, and uh, Yushino Kami is stepping up. Now, like we previously uh, mentioned earlier on the show, Okami is going from 170 pounds to 205 pounds. Now, this is a guy that would have never made 170 pounds back in his prime. You know what I'm saying? He had a little bit of help, if you know what I mean, but certain things changed in the sport, and now he's able to make 170, you know, so now he's going back up to 205, fighting one of the bigger 205-pounders on the roster, and I think that OSP is going to go out there, knock him out in the first round, kind of like he did to Patrick Cummins. Hey, look, if we get if we get a Von Flew choke, <laughs> the third Von Flew choke he's ever had in the UFC, that'd be incredible too. But I think we knock him out with a big shot like we did to Pat Cummins. You know, if we get taken out once or twice, which I highly doubt because the size difference is just, it's so apparent, man. I mean, on fight day, we're going to be talking about what OSB is going to be like 220 and Yushin's going to be what, 205? You know what I'm saying, man? So uh, I think that this is a fight where OSB gets a showcase. I think he gets a first round finish. I took the under one and a half at plus one sixty. I put one point five units on it, and uh, let's go, Vince. Yeah, I mean, fight's pretty much plain and simple. Okami's been fighting at welterweight, like you said. And uh, now, look, don't get me wrong. I'm not high on OSP or anything. I mean, I've lost on the guy big one time against uh, Glover Teixeira, and in the way he lost was just completely embarrassing. And, you know, when he fights, guys like Vulcan Ozdemir or uh, Bader or, you know, guys that can wrestle. And, and, you know, Okami can wrestle, but his wrestling's not good enough to get OSP down, in my opinion. Um, I think OSP, OSP comes out here, touches him up early, gets him out, but it's not like I'm high on OSP or anything. I just feel like if you're going to play the under, this is the this is the spot where you're going to play the under. And you already, you guys already know how I feel about unders and props in general. Man, I mean, I've learned my lesson so many times on it, but if I were to ever play one, it'd be this one. Yes, sir. So, you know, hopefully Ovens takes care of business. I think he will, man. He's been actually training here in Atlanta with Manu. And people who don't know who Manu is, you know, he's a, he's a Muay Thai legend. This is a guy I've seen in person. He's beat up uh, UFC fighters in front of my face. I mean, this is a guy that's five foot nine. I've seen him whoop on UFC 205ers right before my eyes. Manu's legit. That's who uh, OSB's been putting in work with. I heard he had one of the best training camps of his life. I know people say that about every fight, but... I didn't hear it from OSP. I heard it from people in his camp that uh, he's firing on all cylinders right now. He's got Derek Brunson with him. I think he's going to come in here prepared, man. He wasn't thrown off at all by the opponent switch. You know, with some people, you know, you get that opponent switch and it's a letdown spot. You know, you don't get up for the fight as much. For OSP, man, you know, 
considering that he did lose three in a row and then he just beat Delima, he wants to get back on a streak, man. He's motivated for this fight and uh, the opponent changed didn't affect him at all because he already has a, a knockout win over Shogun and it was in less than a minute anyway. So now he's going to get another knockout over uh, Yushin Okami. So I'm very excited about this and I want to point out something about OSB. I actually thought he made an improvement in the Delima fight. Now I completely understand Delima is a step down from Volcan, Jimmy Manua, John Jones. This is 100% true, but hear me out on this real quick. His footwork was so much better in that Dilema fight. You watch that fight with Ozdemir, Manoa, and he's kind of stationary. He's kind of flat-footed. He's kind of backing himself up against the fence, which he is known for. But in that Dilema fight, I saw a new guy there, man. Like the footwork, like I've been saying, man, he, he was so mobile. He looked so athletic. He just – everything was on point that night. And I think if that guy shows up here, it's going to be a short night for uh, Thunder Okami. So, yeah, I got the under 1.5 units at plus 160, and uh, let's get it, man. So now – we got to call the best DraftKings player in the history of MMA, Mr. Kyle Marley for the Big Marley Minute. Here we go. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is the best DraftKings player in MMA history. I'm talking about Kyle Marley. Kyle, what's going on, bro? Hey, man, you're too kind. You're too kind. I'm good, though, man. How are you? Hey, I only speak the truth, my man. But listen, let's get right down to business because we got a massive opportunity this weekend. Now, I don't want to give away all our secrets and this and that, but look. We look for finishers on DraftKings. We look for first-round finishes on DraftKings. <laughs> Takanori Gomi is fighting this weekend. You know the deal. Last four fights haven't even gone past the three-minute mark of the first round. And uh, he's coming in for a nice paycheck on his birthday. He's going to get 55K to show, 55K to take a knee. Maestro Kim's probably going to put him away in one. I'm assuming we're putting him on our lineups. Well, what kind of price are we going to have to pay here? $9,100 on DraftKings compared to Gomi's 7100 But But, uh, yeah, I like that price. He is the – let me check real quick. He's the third highest on DraftKings. He's below OSP and Formiga. So I think he's probably my favorite player on the board. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't fade Gomi at the point unless he comes in looking shredded like he's on the juice. Uh, but I don't see that happening. I think this is Kim's fight to win. And uh, he'll probably be on most, if not all, of my lineups. Yeah, he ain't coming in on no juice. You know what I'm saying? If there's any kind of liquid he's coming in on, it's uh, it's the tequila. You know what I'm saying, bro? So I, I ain't too <laughs> I worried. I ain't too worried about that. Now, speaking of another first round finish, and I know this one's gonna be hefty too, but. Ovint St. Prue. It's not often that you can trust a guy like OSP, but let me tell you something. He's fighting a welterweight here who is also suffering from the new testing, hence the reason that he's fought at welterweight his last five fights because this is a guy that when he was in his prime at 185 pounds, Yushin Okami is one of the biggest middleweights on planet Earth. But now, at, like I mentioned, the reason he can make 170 is the reason that you know already. I personally think Ovint is going to take him out in one. I played the under one and a half, but once again, man, what kind of price are we looking at on DraftKings? See, that's your biggest favorite on DraftKings. He's $9,500, so I'm thinking he has to 10x that value and get at least 95 points to be on winning lineups, and I'm not positive he's going to do that, so I'm kind of weary if I'm going to put him on my lineups or not. Um, I've made a few with him. I've made a few without him, just trying to see what works. Um, but I don't think it's a bad play at all. I do think he's probably the easiest win on the card. It's just can he pay off that price tag? I'm not sure he can. Uh, but I don't like Okami. I don't think I'm going to have much of any of him. That's interesting. When you say pay off that price tag, how many points do you expect for it to be worth it? Uh, I always like to look at 10x. So if it's uh, 9,000, 9, I want him getting at least 90 points. 
if the uh, if it's like Cyborg and they price her at ten thousand, I need her getting at least a hundred points. So he's ninety five hundred in this. I need him to at least get ninety five points to match value to me. Ten uh, x that's what I always look at, no matter what their value is, if they're the dog or the favorite. Give me ten x, and I think I'm looking good. Now there's one more big favorite I like, and that's Luke Jumo. I know he's only had one fight in the UFC, but I'll tell you what, man, he went up there against. A pretty damn good wrestler. He stuffed most of his takedowns, and he whooped on him on the feet. And this guy he's fighting now, Shinsho Anza, he hasn't fought in two years. And the last time he did fight, I mean, the way he won, he punched the dude's finger, and the dude quit. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not impressed with Shinsho at all. I think Luke's about to put on a show. But we're looking at an 8,900 price tag. Are you putting him in your lineup? No, I don't see how he's going to be making my lineups. Um, if in order for him to 10x his value, he's probably going to have to get a first-round finish. Uh, his last fight went to decision, and he only scored 50 points. And uh, I believe 30 of that's coming from just the win. So he's just not putting enough pressure on his opponent to score enough points to match that $8,900 value, uh, price tag. Uh, but I'm not really liking his opponent too much either. I think I would rather have him. But I'm, I'm more looking to avoid this fight and uh, look somewhere else that's going to be higher, higher scoring. All right. Well, we got to talk about some underdogs because you can't just fill your lineup with favorites. And let me tell you about this guy, Keitaro Nakamura, man, because he's he's the perennial underdog. You know what I'm saying? You remember that fight with Li Jingliang? He's plus 600. And uh, he went out there, choked him unconscious. The fight with Tom Breeze, even though he didn't win that fight, Tom Breeze was minus 1,000. And you can make an argument that Keitaro won that fight, man. Keitaro is as tough as they come. He will fight for your money. Is he one of your underdogs? Yeah, I like that play. Uh, like you said, you do have to find some underdogs. Uh, and that's one I'm looking at. Uh, if he's going to win this fight, he's probably going to have to get it to the ground and get some takedowns along the way, and that's what I like to see in DraftKings. So I think that's a great play. Um, I don't think I'll have any Morono, to tell you the truth, so that's where I would be leaning in that fight for sure. So I have a feeling that the most owned underdog on this entire card is going to be Olka Sasaki, just because in his last fight, you know, people don't really remember what actually went down in the last fight. All they remember is him tapping out Scoggins. So when you look at that on Wikipedia, you look at the resume, it's like, wow, he's got a submission win over Scoggins. Maybe he's turning things around. But then you go back, you watch that fight. He got dropped three times. He got taken down a million times. He gets his back taken a bunch, which is Formiga's specialty is taking the back. So I'm personally not playing Sasaki. A dog I am looking at is Mizuto Hirota. That being said, man, am I off here? Am I thinking the right way? What do you think? Uh, no, it's probably – I think you're completely right. I think uh, Sasaki will be higher on. So it might be a good idea to fade him and go up to Hirota. Uh, and you might get some takedowns with uh, Hirota, but I don't really see that happen with Sasaki. You don't want to mess with Formiga on the ground. So he's probably going to have to win this fight by just point fighting, uh, hitting and moving, and that doesn't rack up very many DraftKings points. So I think you're on the right track. Uh, that's another good dog to look at. Now, I know a lot of people are going to be playing Teruto Ishihara. Now, last time, Kyle, I got to give you credit, man. You picked Gray Maynard in 2017 to win a fight. Now, I was so wrong. Look, it's one thing to be wrong on a fight and to lose, you know, whatever. You take the L, no big deal. But when my guy can't even land a single punch on Gray Maynard in 2017, not only do I want nothing to do with him here, I don't want nothing to do with him ever again. So that being said, are we taking Rolando Die here, man? I mean, it's a second UFC appearance. You know that these guys that lose their debuts 
sometimes, I think there's a stat that over 50% of the time, they come back and win their sophomore appearances. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate that play. I, I'm not an Ishiara fan. I think he's always been overrated. Um, however, I don't think he's a terrible play in GPPs this week because Dye's not as good of a wrestler as Maynard. He's not going to get him down 10-plus times. Uh, so this will be on the feet a lot, and Ishiara could knock him out. Uh, and that's what you want in GPPs. However, like you said, you can't trust this guy. So I'm not putting him in cash lineups, that's for sure. I would rather have Die in a cash lineup just to hopefully come through as the underdog. But I might avoid this fight as well. I'm not sure where I'm going with this. I could see uh, if you're making three lineups, maybe throw Shihara in one, Die in one, and then leave the other one without that fight. So the chick fight, Gadelia versus Andrade. Now, Gadelia is very expensive in this spot, but Kyle, I truly believe that she is the second best female fighter on planet Earth. I just think that if jo if Joanna wasn't around, Claudia would be the champ right now. You know, you watch her fight with uh, Joanna, the second one, and she dropped her with an elbow. She took her down more than once. And with Andrade, I mean, she was frozen from the second the fight started. That being said, this is a different matchup. I completely understand that. But I really do think that Claudia Gadelia's blast double will be a big weapon in this fight. We know takedown score a lot of points, but she's $9,000 on the price tag. And if we're trying to put someone like Kim, maybe even OSP in our lineups, we probably can't afford Claudia Gadelia. So are you are you passing on this one, man? Uh, no, I definitely will not be passing. I will have one of these two in my lineups. Um, but... I don't think either one's really a bad play. I think at $7,200, Andrade, if she's going to win, she's for sure paying off that price tag. Uh, this is going to be a high-paced high fight, so I think it will rack up a lot of points. I honestly don't hate stacking this fight in cash games because I think you could probably get, I don't know, 110 to 120 points combined. Um, I'm just not positive that Gadella is going to be the winner. So I don't know if I want to spend the $9,000 when I can just spend $100 more and get Kim right above her. So if I can get them both on, on the same team, I don't mind that play, but I just don't know how you're going to get them along with OSP in your lineup. Um, so I don't know. I think a, a good dog play could be Andrade here because she even scores high in losses. I think she's going to put up a lot of strikes in this. She's going to try and keep standing. Um, and if she can get the knockout, that's going to score a lot of points. And she's only got to pay off a $7,200 price tag. So I don't think that'll be too difficult if she can get the win. However, Goodella, man, that's what you want is the takedown. So if she wins, she's scoring pretty highly as well. Just will she score as much as Kim or OSP or Formiga? I'm not exactly sure. So this one is a total coin flip. We got Go Kansaki, the kickboxer. He's making his UFC debut. He's 0-1 in MMA, but he's taking on Henrique Da Silva, who got viciously knocked out about three months ago. But here's my thing, man. If Henrique Da Silva tries to come out here and test his stand-up, I mean, you know, he's going to get knocked in the, into the fifth row. But he could pull guard, sweep, and submit. I mean, I've seen clips of chicks tapping out Go Kansaki in the gym, but I can't trust Henrique's fight IQ and... He does strike me as the kind of guy that'll try to test his stand up against someone like Gokan Saki. So the winner of this fight is going to score a lot of points. We know that much, Kyle. Absolutely, yeah. That's why I think the perfect GPP play. Uh, what, whoever you like, put them in your lineup. Uh, GPP only. Uh, cash games, I wouldn't do it just because you can't trust either guy. You don't know what's going to happen in this fight. But like you said, it will score highly. So in GPPs, whoever wins will have enough points to win you a tournament. So. 
even if you don't like picking this fight to end your tournament names, which I can see because I hate picking either one of these guys as well, it's just going to score high enough where you're going to have to have the winner of this fight. I think you, you got to decide. Uh, I would lean towards, ooh, man, it's tough. I would rather go Frankenstein and save the money and just hope he's not going to be dumb and stand with him. Try and get it to the ground, pound him out there, uh, get some advances. I don't know, rack up the points on the ground, but don't stand with this guy and get knocked out real easy. <laughs> just pull guard and sweep, man. Come on. That's all you got to yeah, do. Just- Get it to the ground, that guy will be lost. So, this fight right here is another 50-50 one because we got Hyungyu Lim, and he's taking on the newcomer, Daichi Abe. And look, man, we know with, with Lim, it's either knockout or get knocked out. And with Daichi Abe, I know he's a little bit smaller for the weight class. He's making his UFC debut, but I'll tell you what, Kyle, this kid throws bombs. I have a feeling someone's going to sleep in this fight. I'm not sure who. Are you leaning a certain way? No, this is exactly like the last fight to me, I think. You have to target this one again because it will be high scoring. And both of those fights are mid-range, so you can get them both in your lineups. Um, if you're making multiple lineups, you can kind of play around, get multiple of those four fighters. Um, I think I would rather get A again and save the money. Um, but I don't hate like an A play and then pair him up with Gokan Saki, something like that, or the other way around, Lim and Frankenstein. Uh, I do think you have to pair those two fights, though. That's the key. I think you got to stack those. Find a winner in each one, and if you can hit them both, you're going to be looking pretty. Kyle, man, we always appreciate the priceless advice, my man. And uh, I'll tell you what, my my DraftKings game has slowly but surely been improving, man. You know, I haven't quite won a tournament yet, but uh, I am working my way up the ranks. You know, you got to hit that top 15, then the top 10, then the top 5, then I get my title shot. I'm doing what it takes, man. I appreciate the help. Everybody follow this man at Big Marley 3. Kyle, anything you want to tell the fans before we speak next week? That's it, man. Good luck this weekend. And that's why uh, that's why Kyle Marley is in the position he's in, you know. Sharp sharp week after sharp week, and uh, we hope our lineups deliver this week as well. Now, Shaq, we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So, Shaq, what is the fight to watch for UFC Japan? You know, that fight to watch is going to be uh, Morono and Keitaro, man. I want to see if Keitaro can pull off another upset at Dog Money. And, I mean, if he wins this fight, I mean, you got to put him up there in your top 25 at welterweight. I mean, the guy just keeps defying the odds. And if Morono wins, this will be an, another credible win on his part because Keitaro's the type of guy, like we said, the guy's going to be in every fight that he's in. He's never going to get dominated. And uh, this will be a solid win for him if he can win. Oh, yeah. Anytime Keitaro's involved in a fight, I mean, it's it's guaranteed war. But you put Alex Morano in there with him, and this definitely has the potential to be fight of the night. For me personally, I'm going to go with Juicy. Formiga versus Sasaki. Look, I know on paper and by the way that we described it, it could be a one-sided fight. That being said, the way Sasaki's been looking since he dropped the flyweight, I mean, this is a huge opportunity, man. He's five foot nine. He's massive for the weight class. And if he can go out here and defeat a guy like Formiga, he might take that number three spot in the world. So this is a massive fight at 125 pounds. And for Formiga, if he wins this fight, he uh, you know, he gets to keep his spot as the number three guy on planet Earth. Now, Shaq, who is the fighter to watch for UFC Japan? Yeah, uh, I like what you said about Sasaki. I mean, I like what he's been doing. He's moved to the States. He's taking it seriously. But uh, my fighter to watch is going to be Luke Juma, man. Uh, I feel like, you know, that side of the world needs more guys, especially at welterweight. And, uh, you know, maybe he can be a little mainstay for uh, New Zealand or Australia or wherever he's from. But uh, I feel like uh, if he wins this fight, 
he can, uh, you know, fight maybe like a hot chocolate or, uh, you know, somebody, somebody on that level, man. Uh, if he, if he wins impressively, just not Perry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's not let's not get carried away. <laughs> and uh, my fighter to watch is Maestro Dong Young Kim. Look, man, this is one of those fights, and I really hope I'm I'm not wrong about this, right? But look, this is one of those fights where you have all your friends over, and you know, one of your friends puts down a hundred bucks on this fight ending in under one minute. One of your friends puts down 200 bucks on it, ending in under two minutes. You know what I'm saying? You guys, we're all trying to decide how quickly is he going to end this. Is it going to be 30 seconds, a minute, three minutes? I personally don't think it's going to go past the three-minute mark of the first round. But, you know, I've been wrong before, Shaq, maybe once or twice, right? No, but listen, man. I think it's not going to go past the three-minute mark of the first round. We'll see what actually happens. But, look, if Maestro goes out here and gets this win, I know that Gomi is so far gone that it shouldn't even matter. But it's one of those situations where you look at someone's resume and you see a win and you see the name Takanori Gomi. It doesn't matter if Gomi's lost 10 in a row. You still see that name. It elevates your career. It means something. John Tuck's career just got elevated because he beat Gomi. You know what I'm saying? People look at him in a completely different light now just because he went out there and demolished Gomi. And I think it's going to be the same story for Maestro Kim here. So for that reason, he is your fighter to watch. Now, Shaq, we did it, man. It's going down this Friday. I know uh, we're not going to be able to catch every fight live. You know, we got NFC 99 going down at center stage. I'm very excited for that. The weigh-ins are at the Braves game Thursday. But, man. How pumped are you to, you know what I'm saying, be checking on your phone if you cash this max bet? Yeah, uh, man, I'm super pumped up. And not to mention on Saturday, man, we got Bellator. We got a, you know, a little Benson Henderson fade going on, Patricky Pitbull. And uh, we got, you know, Roy Nelson making his debut uh, against uh, Javi that knocked out Sergey, And we got this kid, uh, Piccolati versus uh, Goitzi. So I'm looking forward to that card as well. And uh, I'm looking at cash, man. Um you know, I, uh, I should be uh, posting some stuff up later on um, my website, uh, thesportmatrix.com. It's actually already up. I just haven't tweeted it out yet. But uh, I'm looking to just get more consistent, man. You know, last week, I, you know, I'm glad I only lost two because, you know, there was a lot of things I was a little sketchy on. Um, but uh, now it's just about getting more consistent, man. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm glad you brought a Bellator. You know, the lines aren't even out yet, so I don't know how much we can reveal because I know these jobbers listen to our podcast. But uh, the Benson Fen- the Benson Henderson fate is real. That's all I got to say, man. You know what I'm saying? And then this kid Piccolotti you mentioned, maybe even uh, the jobber that's fighting Roy Nelson. We'll, we'll be taking a look. We'll see what the numbers say. And I'm very excited about that. All the fans, make sure you follow Shaq at MMAGenius05. Follow me at Best Fight Picks. Go to bestfightpicks.com for the plays. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. Follow Kyle Marley at Big Marley 3. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.